Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Sunday's game at Anfield was so special that we decided to break with the norm and dedicate an entire episode of the One Football Podcast to it this week. I'm Dan Burke and with me today is Liverpool fan Joel Sanderson-Murray. Hello. And we've got a special guest as David Mooney of the Blue Moon Podcast and Why Always Us joins us down the line from Manchester. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Sorry to bring the standard down. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> You've raised it about 50 levels, don't worry. Yeah. It's not true, but I'll take the compliment. <laughs> And, uh, and Joel, we'll try not to uh, outnumber your two City fans on one Liverpool fan this week. It does feel a bit unfair, but I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, you can handle it, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're all fans of, of one of the two clubs involved yesterday. And I, I think I was a little too wrapped up in it to appreciate what a good game it was while it was happening. Did you, did you know you were witnessing a classic as it unfolded, David? Um, no, because I hate Anfield. So <laughs> uh, I spend the entirety of, of watching City at Anfield kind of just biting my nails and praying for it to be over. Um, but I, I, watching it back and, and kind of seeing the game afterwards, like I can fully understand anybody who said that the uh, Chelsea City game the weekend before, any neutrals watching that will have gone, God, this is dreadful. Mm. But City fans watching that were going, oh, what a great performance that was. And I totally get that. Um, whereas I think on, on Sunday, the neutrals would be looking at that game going, this this is really, really entertaining stuff. And, it's, and it was just really good fun. So... Um, yeah, I can like watching it back. I can appreciate it, but during the during the game, no, I just wanted it to be over. Yeah, I was actually just watching, uh, reading the comments under an article, and um, someone was saying a neutral fan was saying, "Oh, the first forty minutes were dreadful, and then it sort of picked up towards the end of the first half, and then the second half was really good." I mean, that that wasn't the, the way the game was from my point of view. I was sort of absorbed from from minute to end. But like you say, it is it is Anfield. It is a a ground that City dread going to every season, and. Um, I mean, the second half, I think it was probably the, the dictionary definition of a game of two halves. As a, <laughs> as a Liverpool fan, Joel, what, what was going through your head in that first half in particular? It was, it was, it was horrendous, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I said to you before we started, it echoed sort of the second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal a couple of years ago where we, we played each other and um, the one at the Etihad where the first 45 minutes when City trying to get back into that tie and they, they put in one of the best performances I've ever seen of a, a team in the Champions League, to be honest, where you just can't get the ball off them and um, they're just relentless. And yesterday wasn't exactly, in terms of tempo, the same kind of thing, but... There was a plan there from Guardiola, which I think worked to, to a T, to be honest, because we couldn't get anywhere near you. And that's partly down to City being really good. And I don't, Liverpool just didn't turn up for that first, I, I would say from 20 minutes onwards to the first half. And um, it's, again, it was, it was sort of like the game at Chelsea last weekend where City just suffocated the team and suffocated the opposition. And, and what, what can you do? You can't, you can't get out. You can't give yourself any respite. And Liverpool are usually very good at counter-attacking and, and managed to sort of get themselves some space up the field when they're under pressure. And we just could not do that at any stage. And um, I was really thankful for the half-time whistle. I've been more <laughs> thankful for a whistle, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, and we just we were lucky, though, because, uh, you know, the thing, the thing is City were great and Phil Foden gave James Milner a horrible time, but he didn't take your chances in that in that half. And I think mm. if you if you made that one nil, I don't think Liverpool will get back into that game, to be honest. Well that's it. We've talked about the dread, David, of, of us going to Anfield. Um w- once the game gets underway, I, I'm watching that as a City fan with a strange blend of kind of excitement at how well City are playing, but also kind of anger and frustration that we'd we'd not taken our chances, we'd not got, got our noses in front. Were you kind of in the same boat during the first half? 
excitement at Anfield. City <laughs> I know. Are, are you are you sick? Like really, honestly. Um, no, I was. I, I remember thinking at half time. Um, surely Liverpool can't come out and be as bad as they were again in the second half, and lo and behold, they weren't. And um, it's it's funny because the like the first half performance. I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, interview that Klopp gave to. Um, Sky Sports. Mm. I thought he was. I thought it was fascinating the way he talked about how, basically, how cities, how cities getting on the front foot in that in that first half. Um, it pushed Liverpool back. It they they stopped cutting out the half spaces, so they 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 were basically letting City play through them, all because of the pressure that City were putting on them, and then. Um, he started talking about how that affected the mentality and and, and just getting that half-time break, as Joel said, the the fact that they, they were able to go away, regroup and come back and, and, and kind of reset just meant that it was, that it felt like such a wasted opportunity at half-time mm. that, that city hadn't taken any of the chances in that in that first half, and let's I mean let's be honest, there weren't there were no guilt edge chances in that first half for City. There was there was a couple of, of of opportunities where you know Foden didn't quite get the shot away early enough. I, I think in in one of the in the incident where Bernardo mm. beat the entire team three times and then played him <laughs> in. Um, and then there was there was a couple of moments where De Bruyne, you know, flashed it across the box and there was nobody there, and that those sorts of sorts of opportunities, and you're just thinking like. At that point, if City had taken one of those chances, it does change the game. But still, Liverpool get the the, the halftime whistle; they get the chance to reset and, and correct those errors. So I still think I, I still I, I don't think that had City scored first in that game, Liverpool would have been out of it at all. I think if City had scored, if, if City had made their dominance pay in that first half by getting a couple of goals, then it's a different story. I think I think if they'd gone in one nil up at halftime, I don't think it changes that much. Mm. Bizarrely, yeah, even two or three nil up, I wouldn't have been feeling too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was that De Bruyne header. I think that was the one that was like. I actually lost my temper at that point a little bit because I was like, God, come on, we've got to take one of these chances. I think it was just a, a consequence of like the nerves I was feeling really that we're not we're not taking the chances and surely Liverpool are going to wake up soon enough and I just have visions of Curtis Jones spanking one in from 25 yards or something like that. Thankfully that didn't happen anyway. But Well, go, going to Anfield, it's always like you average the, the, the goals, the, the distance out and City's goals are always scored from like 0.5 yards yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and Liverpool's, like you total, the, 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 you total it up and it probably gets back to City's own penalty area by the time you've <laughs> added them all together they, they, Liverpool have a history of scoring ridiculously good goals against it I know yeah um, Joel did you expect Liverpool to come out and play better in the second half and, and what do you reckon Klopp said to them at half time what, what inspired the turnaround I, I think the thing is with Klopp and his backroom staff they are very good at figuring stuff out at half time and, and, and that's why I sort of was thankful for, for the half time whistle as much as surviving it but also thinking he 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 or Peplanders will will get a grip of the team and, and they would figure you know a, a different plan of action for the for the second half. But it, it was it, it was I didn't expect us to come out and play as well as we did in the first ten minutes. I, I didn't I didn't think we looked capable of being able to press City back in the way they did. And because um, we sort of replicated what you did to us and well, City did to Liverpool in the first half for that first 10-15 minutes. And I don't think they maintained it for the for the whole of the second half. I think as soon as Manny scores. That period up until De Bruyne's goal, it's kind of like a basketball game where no one's got any control of it at all, and it's completely wild. And, that, and that's where people remember how good that game was in that period. Because um, we, we were great up until the, the Mane goal, and I, I thought that's really what the plan should have been from the, the from the first minute. To be honest, and um, as a local fan going into these games, and it's always a cliche at Anfield, but 
Liverpool are notoriously good at killing games off in the first 20, 25 minutes, especially in, in big games. We've done it to City plenty of times, you know, chat that Champions League tie again and you know, also you sort of think about the the four three game where Liverpool are great in, in bursts and but um Liverpool didn't just didn't look like doing that in the first half. And that's much down to City of course as I mentioned. But that second half they do come out and do it and they do look great. But um so I think it's just sort of a, a way of you know Klopp sort of got a grip grip of them and they figured something else and what City weren't doing. City didn't take the opportunities or the half opportunities should we say but I still think the issue we had, and it's the issue from the start, is that playing James Milner right back, mm. um, which I understand why he did it. Um, and, and obviously, Milner played well against Porto and in midweek. And obviously, we Trent Alexander Arnold's injured and can't make it. But um, Liverpool just didn't seem to have a right back the whole of that game. <laughs> There's so much space on the left hand side channel. And that's obviously where Phone exploits it. The tourism a lot of times in the first half, and then obviously for the goal, and, and I think that's just end up being our undoing in a way. But it's hard to sort of criticise them too much. But yeah, I think that's what's done Liverpool. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about Milner and and some questionable refereeing decisions in a minute. <laughs> um, I just want to ask you first, David. I mean, we 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 City come out for the second half. They fall behind pretty early. Liverpool uh, a G in the crowd up. We all know about the Anfield crowd. What an effect that can have on on any visiting team, but particularly City. For City to fall behind twice in this game come back and, and still rescue a point from the game do you think that that shows a great deal of character from City that perhaps we've not seen before have they taken that up a, a level this season I thought like it's it's weird because the City's record at Anfield now is one defeat in four visits which mm. it doesn't feel like that it feels <laughs> yeah. like City go there and get beat every time um, so I think I think rather quietly they've kind of they've kind of found a way to deal with those that that high pressure situation that they get at Anfield. Yeah. Um, I mean that being said, there are exceptions as as nineteen twenty shows, but then again there were there are um, mitigating circumstances in there in that they had uh, Fernandinho at centre half and not um, defensive midfield as he as they would have wanted at the time, and they had a ghosting goal with Claudio Bravo. <laughs> so there was always there, there was always issues there. Um, but I, I just feel like like Anfield is is one of those places where if City go there in a season and don't get beat, that's a good result. Um, and the fact that they've come back, come from behind twice, they've 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 not only had the setback of having not taken the chances at the end of that first half, and Liverpool have regrouped and come out and and blitzed them in the first ten minutes of the second half and and, and got the goal. They've responded, and, and to be honest, I, I I can I could have seen them ahead of the game. I could have seen them responding to one setback, so falling behind and getting an equaliser, but falling behind a second time. When the second one went in, I thought that's it. It's game over. There's mm. no, they're not. They're not getting a, a second equaliser here. And you know, there's there's a bit of fortune in it with the deflection. But like, ultimately, I think you know they deserve that point, and they they worked hard for it in the end. And I, and I know, like with the with the Fabinho chance at the end, uh, Joel will quite rightly feel that that Liverpool should have won it. And <laughs> with the J, with the Jesus chance at the end, I think you know City fans will quite rightly mm. feel City should have won it as well. So I think in the end, a draw. I think I think both sets of fans are quite happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Are you happy with it, Joel? Is, is it a point game for Liverpool or, or two points dropped, having been ahead twice in the second half, would you say? It, it's hard to answer that right now. And I guess the, the context and results will, will sort of formulate over the next couple of months. Um, I, I think after last week when, we, when Liverpool drew 3 3 with Brentford, that we had to win this game. Um, be, but before the match, maybe because Liverpool play Chelsea and Man City at home now. And you know, let's say that they're going to be the three teams that are probably going to. 
you know, win the title or be be in with a chance to win the title come April and May. And um, and Liverpool have not beaten either of those two challenges at home now. And um, so I think we we after drawing with Chelsea, especially in the context of that game as well, being against ten men for forty five minutes, that Liverpool had to sort of you know bloody the nose of Man City yesterday. But I think. You know, our half time, I would have taken nil nil, would have taken anything to get out of Anfield alive there. <laughs> um, and I think once you make it one nil, I mean, that's fine. I, I think sort of drawing on City's resilience. I've always thought with, with when we make it one nil against City at Anfield that two nil is going to follow soon after. So as soon as City make that one one yesterday, I, I suddenly felt that that hold that Anfield has over City is completely gone now. Uh, maybe that's been a bit too dramatic, but you know, City win there last year and okay with no fans, so that's a caveat, let's say. But City's resilience to come back and, and make that 1-1 almost immediately says a lot about And, and this is a team that's won you know, league titles, so it's they've got, you know, talk about their brilliance on the ball and everything like that, but they've got resilience, they've got mental toughness because they've won league titles. But I think once we make it 2-1, um, despite Liverpool not maybe not being the best, once you make a two one with that goal, I think it's a bit of a, a slip up for Liverpool to let City back in there. And I, I think I'm still not quite sure how I feel to be able to answer your question. Whether it is, <laughs> I, I'm happy with what's happened and happy with the results. I don't think Liverpool or City one team deserved actually to win. I think, as David says there, a draw is the fair result. And it's just one of them where you just have to take it and, and we'll you know we'll come back at the end of the season and see whether it's going to be vital. But I don't know about you guys, but um, yeah. I'm still of the mode where... <laughs> Where we sort of, you know, that season where we go 98, 97 points and every point counts and every game counts. I'm still of that mode. And every time you drop points, you feel like it's the end of the world, but <laughs> it might not necessarily be that. I'm not sure whether you guys think that. Or... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I was, I, I had a bit of a weird feeling at the end of this game yesterday where I was kind of relieved that we'd, we'd rescued a point and I would have taken a point before the game. I would have bitten mm. your arm off for that. But the way the game went, the way we were so on top in the first half, it did feel like a slight missed opportunity. But then you also put it in the context of the week that City have had. Chelsea away PSG away Liverpool away to come out of to come out of those two Premier League games with four points is excellent really but there's, there's just I don't know about you David there's a tiny bit of regret for me there yeah I I feel exactly the same way because you've had that week you've had the the three tough away games and City were hands down the better team against Chelsea. They were. I didn't watch the entirety of the PSG match. I've got to be honest. Um, I, I played football myself, <laughs> uh, which I, makes me a bad fan. I don't know. Um, but from from having seen what what the reaction was, it seems like City were the better team in that game as well, and were unlucky to lose. And then you go to Anfield, and I mean, I know I would say this, but I feel like of the two sides, I think City just about edged it. I think their I think their pressure was. I think that the ceiling of their pressure was slightly higher than, than Liverpool's pressure, mm. but it's it's marginal at best. Um, so to come through this week and have those three performances, I think I think I, I think the positive I'm feeling is is from the performances rather than the results. The mm. if you're going to lose one of the three games, lose the PSG game because the Champions League group is is still open and 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 open wide to to um, for City to go and win it. Um, the other two, I think, I would have settled for not being beaten. So to take four points, I'm I'm more than happy with. Yeah, there was a point. I mean, before the Chelsea game, probably when I was thinking we're going to lose all three of these games and it's going to be yeah. <laughs> season in the bin already. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with with where we are right now. So let's uh, let's sort of look into the goals a little bit now. So Liverpool did take the lead early in the second half with with Mane finishing after a great run from Mohamed Salah. Um, do you reckon David City could have done anything to stop that, or was it pretty much unstoppable? Because I thought Cancelo sold himself a little bit short there. Yeah, really. 
He did, but um, Cancelo had been booked at that point, and mm. we know that and unless you're James Milner, you can't act with impunity <laughs> on the pitch. Then. So, uh, I, no, I mean, in seriousness, Cancelo, it's the, that shows, doesn't it, how um, how a booking can play on your mind? Because in, in a normal circumstances, though, if Cancelo's not been booked, I think that challenge that he puts in on, I think it was on Salah, wasn't it? Mm. Um I, I think he, I think he's a lot stronger, and I think he does more than just kind of dangle a foot out. Um, then after that, I think Laporte can do better as well. Actually, I think that there's a moment where the ball slightly gets away from from Salah as he's running with it, and Laporte thinks about stepping up and, and trying to challenge for it, and he doesn't, and he drops off, and he basically says, "Go on, then play it into this big empty space behind me," and. You know, Mane's run is is fantastic, and there's no catching him when he's away like that. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's a good goal. I think I think City could have defended it better. Um, and I think I, I, what what frustrated me most was that it was it, it was I think it was Liverpool's first real opportunity after um, they had that that turn and spin with Jota right at the start mm. of the second mm. half, and then after that it was it was pressure. But City had done well to kind of stay in under the pressure. Um, and then they get an opportunity and take it, and it's just it. It was really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a couple of people uh, asking if Edison can do better, and I'm I'm just like, no, no, I'm not having. No, it was a good finish. It that. was a great finish that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. They, but they both were. To be fair, I don't I don't think he he could have. He, he did a lot wrong apart from that. Uh, nearly giving a goal away at the end, did he really? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got you got to got to live sometimes, though, haven't you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so City then equalised through Phil Foden. Brilliant finish from him. I want to talk first about James Milner, though. He, he should have been off the pitch, shouldn't he, Joel? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna find it hard to argue against that. To be honest with you, um, I mean, yeah, well, let, well I let's mean, let's break it down actually because the first the first challenge, the one when he takes Foden down just outside the box in the first half, I don't know if that, that's not a red card offence, is it? That's a yellow card. It should have been a foul no, on a no. yellow card. No, I think Bijamas is called a red card. Yeah. So yeah, if but... so if he's booked there, he probably doesn't get the second yellow. Do, do we say that? That's usually how these things work, isn't it? <laughs> The politics. He probably doesn't get the, the yellow that he actually did get. <laughs> but then, having been yeah. on a yellow card, for him to then hack down Bernardo and not get a second yellow was was the most frustrating part for me. It was so strange though because it, there was no sort of like even deliberation or anything like that. I mean, as soon as it happened, it just sort of the way the sort of the t- I'm sadly watching on the TV, the way it caught to sort of focus on Henderson because Henderson was moaning at Bernardo on the floor. Yeah. And usually you sort of get that little build up when you watch the games on, on the TV where uh, he sort of focuses on the guy who's you know made, made the foul and whether he, you know, or oh, is he going to be sent off or not? And you, you don't get that, so I sort of feel like, oh, he's he's got away with that there. But when you actually look back at the foul, it's it's a it's a yellow card offence, yeah. um, and I'm I'm not I'm not quite sure how he's he's got away with that. And I can completely you know it is quite funny to see Pep Guardiola fume on the on the <laughs> sideline at Anfield. It's, it's probably my favourite kind of prose to be honest with you. But um, it it's was, an annual it tradition, was, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's great, isn't it? You know, yeah, <laughs> I look forward to each year. But um, he was totally within his reason to uh, to to learn about that because it probably was a red card but here we are and then he gets taken off five minutes after for Joe Gomez so uh, <laughs> that's when you that's when you know your manager and who should be sent off yeah I was I was worried Guardiola was going to jump into the crowd and start throwing punches at one point it got very heated didn't it at one point with the, with the fans there I would I'm welcome that entirely that. I, I am surprised that I mean Guardiola was doing his best to get sent off there. Right? Yeah, and, I, and, and part of me just part of me just wondered is if it was if it was so that in the press conference afterwards he could go yeah well he'd sent me off for this but he didn't send Milner off for for this 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 this. <laughs> when Mike Dean's telling you to calm down, you know you're on the wrong side of history, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, do you think Guardiola had a point though, Mooney, afterwards talking about uh, referees bottling big decisions at places like Anfield and Old Trafford? Um, yeah, I, I think he. I, I think he can do better than that, to be honest, um, because I, I feel like I feel like City occasionally get them as well at the Etihad. Mm. So it's not it's not necessarily a, a a thing that if this was a City player at the Etihad, he would have gone immediately. I'm not convinced, um, but. Like, like Joel said, it was a red card. He's like, he's right. <laughs> there's nothing. There, there's 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 nothing more to say other than um, the only thing. The only get out I think that Paul Tierney's got is that he thinks Henderson's made the foul instead, mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's why he hasn't done it. And I, I like I don't know. Like we're talking about the about the first incident with um, with Milner where he didn't get booked when he when he brought Foden down. Whether that was a red card or not, um, I, I like. The way the VAR works, and I'm sure there'll be people who are much better understanding of how the VAR works, but my understanding of that is simply that they reviewed it for a penalty, and because it was outside the box, they didn't find a penalty. Mm. So at that point, like they're not, they don't go back and give a foul in that instance. They can only overturn it if mm. if if they if they find a red card offence. Well, obviously, there's not a red card offence there, so it's just like it's just not going to go back and, and get overturned. Um, and then the VAR for the second one, you can't, you, you don't bring VAR in for yellow cards. So the second one was never gonna, um, never gonna yield a, a review unless it was mistaken identity. Well, he would have had to have sent Jordan Henderson off <laughs> yeah. to get mis- mistaken identity, and that, and that, like that's just insane. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> so, I, like, it's it, it's frustrating, and I think Guardiola in in in, in all of this uh, had a point. Um, I just don't like. I don't really like it when he when he does that. Um, that sort of, if this was, you know, Old Trafford at, at Anfield, you don't get these sorts of decisions. I mean, City have got a history of of having, let's call them unfortunate refereeing decisions at Anfield. Um, but I, I'm i I'm fairly sure there'll be plenty of people listening to this who don't support City and Liverpool who say, well, my team always goes to the Etihad and gets done over <laughs> yeah. by the referee. I mean, to be honest, so I watched the highlights this morning and there was, a, there was a challenge from Bernardo Silva when he was on a yellow card that was a bit questionable. Yeah. And no one's really talked about that one. So I think maybe we might have got away with that one as a result of Milner not getting sent off. So... Yeah, you, you sort of take what, take what you can get, I guess, don't you, and move on <laughs> yeah. there. But um, Milner, let's talk about him now. Then he had, a, he had a pretty torrid time against Foden. Joel, do you think um, do you think Trent Alexander Arnold would have fared any better, or, or would have been better to start with Joe Gomez, maybe, or, or is Phil Foden just that good that anyone's going to struggle against him? Well, Phil Foden is that good that anyone will struggle against yeah. him. But um, I think I think Trent would have had a better you know, chance. Obviously, I mean. I know a lot of local, uh, non-local fans sort of have a thing about Alexander Arnold, where he's not. They seem to think he's not that great at defending. Which a couple of years ago, I think they were probably right to, to say, but he's improved massively. And I think that first goal yesterday um, for City was incredible by Jesus and the, the way Foden's movement drags the whole defense out of position is is impeccable. But um, I think. Alexander Arnold doesn't get dragged across like that if he's playing and Miller's doing it because he's maybe a bit more sort of cautiously minded, let's say. But um, I, I think Alexander Arnold would have a better, um, better go at it. And maybe even Joe Gomez, but I can understand why he didn't start Joe Gomez because, you know, the guy who's he's had a, a three long term injuries now and one that's kept him out last year. So it's, it's trying to ease him back in. And, and he's only started Champions League games so far. He's not. 
you know, had that many minutes in the Premier League and, and to throw him in against Manchester City out of position, let's say, you know, he can't play there would, would have been a big call. And the thing is with Klopp, you know, um, it's one of his greatest strengths and one thing I like about him, but it's also possibly his biggest weakness is he's very loyal to players and um, he's 100% definitely loyal to uh, mm-hmm. to James Milner and Milner's obviously deserved it. He's been a fantastic servant for this club and, um, and you know, he's, he's weirdly spent the longest time in his career at Liverpool compared to anywhere else, which I found very strange. We always must think of him as a Manchester City player before Liverpool. But um, mm. he's he's been great recently, Milner. Um, he's, he stepped up against Palace and played right back, and and then in midweek against Porto. But you know, no disrespect to, to those clubs and, and the opposition he faced. Sahar's an incredible footballer, but playing against Phil Foden and. Cancelo and Grealish on that side. It's a different ball game entirely, and and maybe that's maybe made a bit of a mistake there, and that's where the shout for Gomez comes in. But it's it's just one of them. Like I think you're saying for the game, a 36 year old central midfielder playing right back <laughs> is probably going to struggle against Phil Foden, <laughs> and that's how it turned out to be. I feel like Miller Mil- will have woken up very aware of his own mortality this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's twenty twenty hindsight to say this, um, but I was I was a little bit surprised that that Klopp did go with with Milner, um, mm. largely because I think I, I like out of anything all all week, I think that's what City would have been hoping he did. Um, yeah. And in one of these, what in this sort of game, I, I always think of of both. Klopp and Guardiola as as managers who do things that the upper like somebody once said to me when I was when I was uh, playing pool in a pub don't play the shot that you want to play play the shot that your opponent would hate you playing the most <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel Klopp and Guardiola sometimes look at the opposition and uh, like Klopp with by picking Milner in that position it just really really helps City go okay Bernardo left footed get uh, get down the left hand side and and cause problems. Grealish get down the left hand side and cause problems because Foden's going to run at Milner and it just it, it just seemed to be exactly what City wanted him to do and that surprised me a little bit yeah particularly that one in the first half when Edison pinged it over to Foden that felt like a premeditated thing that they'd worked on in the training ground really didn't it with, yeah. with that in mind but talk to me about Foden though Mooney I mean for him to hit the bottom corner with such accuracy for that goal was, was incredible I thought he, he was he was electric all game are you still surprised by performances like that from him or has he, has he kind of normalised it at this point already in his career he's I mean I've forgotten how old he is now is he 21 I think Um, so yeah and he is for my money in City's best 11 and he has been for some time Mm. and that like that's mad that is absolutely (laughs) mad um, given the amount of money City have spent on their team the quality that 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 they've brought in over the last well over the last 10 years or so um, the fact that a homegrown lad from Stockport who is a, a fan of the club? Who was a who's been a ball boy at, at, at the Etihad? Who was watching these players win titles like fifteen minutes ago? He the the fact that he's come in and just gone. No, I'm going to make. I, I'm going to. I'm going to cause you a headache because I'm going to be so good that you can't drop me. That it just it absolutely blows my mind. And it's been. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last academy products. Like, that's you think of of cities. Academy products when they were they, they used to be lauded for the the number of, of players that came through into the first team, and I, I always used to take the position of yeah they're getting a fair few players through but they're coming in for ten games and then being moved on because mm. City squad is paper thin and you're talking like Bradley Wright Phillips and Willow Flood and the, the, like these sorts of players yeah and we used to every one of them that used to come through we used to go yeah this is fantastic there's a new homegrown lad in the team and they're doing really well and then you go oh we've not seen them for a while where are they and Foden is just. He's done much better than that 
in a team that is possibly one of the greatest the Premier League has ever seen. Mm. And it, it's just absolutely mind-blowing that he's he's that good. The, the, the number of times where... He just he thinks he 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 just pulls the ball down out in in space and and you know runs at, runs at one of his one of the the opposition defenders and you're like like surely have a little bit of respect for these people like like these are these are a top class defenders and you are still a kid who is like just enjoying his football you don't you. you, you he, nothing phases him, and it just it, it's it. So it, it can't. It doesn't surprise me that he's that good because he keeps he keeps pulling out these performances. And you look at that Champions League run last season where um you they they went away to Dortmund, they went away to PSG, and every one of us we were sitting here thinking, I'm glad Foden's in the team. And that yeah. I mean that that just that that speaks to how good he's been for City in the last in the last six to eight to, uh, last six to twelve months. Yeah. Do you reckon maybe him uh, adding sort of clinical finishing to his his portfolio might be something that he still needs to work on a little bit, you know, given like you said earlier that that chance in the first half, he perhaps should have taken that first time and gone straight across Allison, but then it feels silly to say that after he'd scored a great goal, but I just wonder if that's maybe the one thing he's lacking in his game at the moment. Yeah, I think that's just experience though, isn't yeah. it? I think that's that that's just that he is inexperienced in this position and he thought at the time the best thing to do was take a touch and then belt it and it, yeah. it just gave Allison the chance to get out at him. Um I think I think if if that chance had happened again in the second half, I think he'd have taken it first time. If um if he is in City's best eleven, if he walks into that best eleven, does he play on the left for you? Yeah, he does. Um I know, I know Guardiola likes him a little bit inside, and I know that's that's where he likes to likes to play as well. Uh, but if they've got Mar, I mean, I know they've not got Mares on the on the right at the moment. But if they have Mares on the right and he's coming inside, I like Foden on the left because he, he he hooks the touchline and 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 is able to get inside as as well. So um, I, I think I think the way he stretches the pitch when he's wide left, I, I just I, I love him there. And um, as much as as good as he could be in the middle. Um, let him be destructive from the wing if he's happy to do that. Yeah, it's nice to have the options to change it around a bit as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, Mohamed Salah, of course, uh, he thought he'd won it when he scored an amazing goal to make it 2-1. Um, Joel, do you think that goal will, will still be remembered for a long time despite it not being the winning goal of the game? Is, is there a danger that it may, it may get forgotten a little bit? It's, it's a tough that one, isn't it? Because yeah. he scores that goal against, against Spurs a couple of years ago, I mentioned earlier, where it's similar kind of goal, and that one ends up being a 2-2 draw as well because Spurs score a late penalty, and, and, and that kind of maybe gets forgotten in, in a way, in, in the same way that to me, which is the most heartbreaking thing that's probably ever happened in my uh, local sporting career, is Daniel Sturridge's outside of the boot finish in the Europa League final against Sevilla <laughs> to put us 1-0 up. And then Sevilla realised Alberto Moreno was playing and scored three goals in the second half. And, and that was one of the greatest goals in the history of the football club, which gets forgotten and no one ever mentions. So, but possibly, but I, I think... With this goal, it's that good that it's it's just I, I think people are going to rejoice over it for for years. I mean, I've seen it on Twitter today. It's the only thing that's on my timeline is, is people talking about it and, and different angles of the of the of the year uh, finish, and it's it's just incredible. It's, I mean, you know, I, I do enjoy team performances and team moments in 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 football, and and, and when a team works hard to, to win the game, and you see a tactical plan pay off, but. There was just something to be said for individual moments of of class like that, and that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's it's just instinct the way he drags the ball back. Is, is it over Cancelo? He does that. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I think compact, or, oh, it's Bernardo Silva. I think gets done as well, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's it's. I mean, Laporte in a way. I think 
defends quite well because he closes off the the chance for Salah to go in on his left, which he, nine times out of the ten he does. And when he when Salah cuts back onto his right, he usually don't like him doing that because it never quite works that well. And and this time, I mean, it's it's some finish to go right into mm. the corner like that. And yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's one of those goals that you know the cliche it should be enough to win the game, and, and sadly it wasn't. But uh, yeah, he's, he's he's just brilliant. He's had a phenomenal season so far, and he's you know up there being one of the best players in the league, and if not. No, well, no, yeah, I was going to say, is he the best player in the world right now? I'm not sure I need to tell Who's in better form than him at the moment? Well, I think the start of this season, it's, it's, I think fair to say his, his form is you know, probably one of the best, in, definitely the best in Europe. But uh, I mean, I'm not sure I ever determine the, the best player in the world. It's like the whole old age Ronaldo mess debate in it. But uh, if I'm going to be biased, I'll, you know, he's up there with Divock Origi <laughs> for me. He's up there. What do you make of Sky giving Salah and Foden joint man of the match, men of the match yesterday? Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, <laughs> it's obviously we're out in Germany, so I didn't quite get their coverage. But uh, yeah, it was Roy Keane in the studio because I would have liked to have seen his, oh, you uh, been fuming, wouldn't his, yeah. his impression <laughs> on that. But, I mean, it's, that's, it's probably fair. Actually, I'm not quite sure why they don't do that more, actually, yeah. when it comes to think of it. Because... I mean, I, I couldn't separate those two before. I mean, I don't really like player of the match, man of the match kind of things because it's team sports. But if you talk about two individual performances, Salah and Foden were the best players on the pitch, I guess, weren't they? So, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't know how to separate them. Is it a big worry for Liverpool that Salah's going to be off to the African nations in January? And, and Mane, of course. Yeah, it's one of them that's hanging over because I'm not quite sure what the plan will be right now to, to replace them because... It's you know obviously that happens in January where the transfer windows open, but Liverpool are unlikely to make a signing then. And even if they do, the person they bring in, even if that is a forward, it's not like he's going to be able to drop in right away and, and be able to get up to speed with what Klopp wants from his players and from his team. And it's so it's it's likely that the the, the replacement for those players is going to come from within and. And the thing is, you can't replace Mohamed Salah, not just for his quality and his finishing, but you know what he does for the team is there's no one else in that squad can, can really do. And maybe the closest person to do it is Sadio Mane, and he's going mm. as well. Yeah. So it's, you got it, but you know, Jürgen Klopp knows football a lot better than myself and all you know, the majority of Liverpool supporters. So he'll have a plan, he'll have an idea. There's, you know, he, he won't be waking up today and realising Salah's going in January. They would have realised <laughs> that a long time ago. So you've got to hope they've got some kind of plan going, but he's obviously going to be missed. And, and that, that's why I saw Abs maybe feeling a bit sort of defeatist today because in, in a way I think Liverpool sh- need to have got a bit of a gap up by January because you can probably excuse for dropping points in January at the best of times but never mind when your your best player is away on international duty and yeah. I think Liverpool needs to go into that, that period with you know four point seven point gap and I don't think that's going to happen now. Well, I hope you cope as badly without Salah as we used to cope without Yaya Torre every time he went <laughs> off to the African Nations because we were we were dreadful without him. <laughs> uh, I think Bernardo Silva's run and Alisson's save to deny Foden in the first half of this game is possibly the greatest goal that never was. Um, Bernardo played like a man possessed here, Mooney. Is this possibly the best form he's ever been in at City, would you say? Um, that's hard to say, actually. Um because he was pretty good uh, in that eighteen nineteen season. Mm. He, say, he, he mm. seems to save these 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 uh, performances for Liverpool, though. Actually, now that I think about it, because he did Shame. it um, in 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 that two one um, at the Etihad um, mm. in January nineteen. Um, I, I possibly, possibly the best form he's been in. Um, you throw me by that because I wasn't expecting that yeah. question about him at all. Um, <laughs> well, I, he also he, had the famous uh, cup of tea, didn't he? In the uh, the, the Liverpool um, 
guard of honor. So maybe he just really hates Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it could ju- it could just be that he's he's, uh, he's he's really bought into the Mancunian way of things. Except yeah, doesn't like the weather. Does yeah, uh, Gabriel Jesus also had a really good game. Uh, Cancelo was good. Rodri was incredible, particularly that goal line clearance to deny Fabinho right at the end. Uh, what was your reaction when that happened, Joel? Oh no! Well, the thing is, that it's sort of, sort of, I was working the game as well, so sort of I'm sort of. I had that mix of being a fan and making sure I write something very quickly to to get this out as quickly as possible. And, <laughs> you know, I, I'm already up and celebrating because the way the ball falls down to Fabinho, yeah. you, you're thinking it's hitting the back of the net, and it's it's unbelievable. It comes out of nowhere, and I, I've seen this sort of the the freeze frame images since, and at at no stage when the ball's dropping, Rodri's in that image, and then suddenly he's there. And I, I, when I turned my phone on after the game, a lot of sort of you know my dad and brother went to the match, and they're all sort of fuming at Fabinho for not taking the first time. And I, I don't, I'm not seeing a replay at that stage. I don't just seeing what I seen at the time, and I'm not thinking that was harsh. And then when I actually checked back and um, and I watched it over and over. I still think it's it's really yeah. harsh. Like it happens so quickly. It's unbelievable how Rodri and, and then maybe it's not like ten yards, whatever, but how he managed to cover that ground to get there and, and produce it. And you sort of they cut to Fabinho's uh, close up on, on his face afterwards as, as soon as it happens and you can just see him going, oh, What the fuck am I meant to do there? Like <laughs> what's he just done? Like it's it's un- it's unbelievable and it's I'm hoping there's a, the thing in the back of my head which is saying to me, it, this best not be the John Stones clearing it off the line uh, of any eighteen nineteen instance of this <laughs> season. But I feel, I feel I'm sick, it's got a sickness. I think it might be. Could be, could be. Yeah, I mean, thinking about looking ahead now, thinking about the title race, David. Who who do you think is in the strongest position going forward? Is it a big deal for City that they've got all of their hardest away games out of the way pretty much already, with with a trip to Old Trafford to come in November, and then that being pretty much it for City? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to nail my colours to the mast and say who's in the best position because we are. We're still in a world where things are a little bit unpredictable. Um, obviously, the the pandemic isn't over, um, but it's it, like that. We're in a situation where a lot of people are living their lives normally again. Uh, it feels like like football is is through the worst of it. But we had the story recently of of uh, a lot of the Premier League isn't vaccinated, mm-hmm. um, so that could still have an effect on 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 how the title race goes. The African Cup of Nations, like you say, for Liverpool could could cause them problems uh, with with Mane and, and and Salah being away. If I mean, if if City get a, a couple of injuries in defence, like Liverpool got last season, it changes the the picture again. So I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that um, any one team is in a, in the best position. What I will say is that I'm really happy with where City are. Mm. They've been to Spurs, they've been to Leicester, they've been to uh, Liverpool, they've been to Chelsea. Uh, they've lost one of those, uh, but they've got seven points out of those games, and that that's a good haul. Yeah. So I think in terms of of, of the position that City are in, um, I don't think it could be much better than it is right now. Yeah, we're in pretty good shape, aren't we? What about Liverpool, Joel? Does this result give you confidence that they'll go on and win the league, or is it is it knocked your confidence in Liverpool at all? I'm, I'm in a weird position with Liverpool where I'm still not quite sure where they are and if they're back or whatever because 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 of last season and, and that sort of leaves a bit of a scar in the, in the way that unfolded and the injuries and uh, you, you're not quite sure whether Liverpool are going to be able to hit that standards and but what we've seen so far this season it, it can't be too dissatisfied with what we've done I mean still the only unbeaten team in the league and you know we're scoring you know a lot of goals in every match got the highest you know the best uh, attack mm. record in, in the league at the moment 
it, like I said before, it is annoying that, you know, and it might come back to haunt Liverpool that they played their two or what should be the two closest title challenges in the league at home and not beating them. Um, and But you know, we've still got to go to Stamford Bridge and Etihad and it's not looking forward to those games. But Liverpool are a good team and, and mm. they could easily, you know, win that game, win those games as much as they could lose them. So it can't be too pessimistic. But um, I'm not quite sure just yet. But um, what, what I will say is, you know, I did go into the start of the season thinking Chelsea might at some point take a head on both of these teams and I think I completely will go back on that because looking at that yesterday the two best teams in the league if mm. not the two best teams in Europe were on that pitch yesterday yeah. they're, they're, they're first and standards. second aren't they yeah, oh, yeah 100% Manchester United are in no one's business here like watch them on Saturday against Everton watch them last couple of games and they uh, they have no interest in that game yesterday they, they should be worrying about the top four but they um, no, the best two teams on that, that pitch, yes, they're, they're incredible. Yeah, it's going to be a great season, I think. Uh, great game yesterday, point of peace. We all shake hands, go home happy, look forward to what's to come. Uh, thanks to Joel and David for joining me on this special episode of the One Football Podcast. Normal service will resume after the international break, so take care and we'll catch you next time. I know.